0: You are listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Most people love the music of Handel's Messiah, and Dr. Will Phillips was no exception. One of his patients had given him a CD of the Messiah, and it had been played over his sound system at least once a day, followed by Dr. Will's out-of-tune humming. But on this particular Monday morning, Dr. Will was carrying a very heavy burden and didn't feel like humming much of anything. As he walked into his waiting room, his heart nearly stopped. There, seated on the sofa, was Mary Snyder, 82 years old and without a doubt the godliest person Dr. Will had ever known. A smile crept across his face as he watched Mary reenact a scene he had observed so many times before. Her open Bible was on her lap, and she was gently squeezing the hand of a troubled young mother who just happened to be sitting beside her. The captivating sparkle in her eye, she had just asked the question, do you believe in Christmas? Now, because it was the middle of summer, this question might have seemed very out of place that Mary had asked hundreds of people this very same question. And so, coming from her, it seemed quite natural. You see, Mary had found this to be the perfect icebreaker in talking to people about her Lord. Suddenly, the knot in Dr. Will's stomach jerked his thoughts back to the lab reports that he had received on Friday. He had been faced with this unpleasant task so many times before but never had it grieved him as much as the one awaiting him today. Beverly, put on the CD of the Messiah that Mary gave us and send her back, please. I'm sorry, doctor, but Mary and the Brewster woman are praying at the moment. I believe our waiting room is about to become a delivery room again. Another new birth is taking place. Mary, the doctor will see you now. Oh my sides. It's so good to see you again, Beverly dear. It's good to see you too, Mary. How are you feeling? Wonderful. Just wonderful, Beverly dear. Is Mrs. Brewster in the family? Oh my, yes. She just learned the real meaning of Christmas. I do believe I can hear 10,000 angels singing the hallelujah chorus right now. Can't you hear them, Beverly, dear? I think you're hearing the CD of the Messiah playing over the sound system. Land sakes, child. I know what's playing over the sound system, but can't you hear the angels singing along? Well, probably not quite as well as you can. Mercy, you'll need to get a more sanctified imagination like me. Now, run along into the waiting room and tell Mrs. Mrs. um, Mrs. Brewster. Yes, that's the one. Tell her you're a Christian too. Oh, my sides, I completely forgot. Give her one of these pamphlets. 10,000 Alleluia's written by Merry Christmas. Who's Merry Christmas? That's my new handle. You know my pen name. Any author worth his salt has to have a pen name, especially when he's just starting out. Merry Christmas. Well, it certainly seems to fit. Doctor, I'd like to introduce you to a budding young author Merry Christmas. Will, take a gander at my new pamphlet. I had it printed at the copy place across the street last month, and I've given away so many that I'm almost ready for a second printing. Ten thousand alleluias. Mary, you never cease to amaze me. Listen, Mary. Got something that I've got to talk to you about. Will, you look troubled. Didn't Jesus tell us to be anxious for nothing? Yes, Mary, if you'll just listen. You know what I think. I think you've been spending too much time at work and not enough time in prayer. Mary, if you'll just listen for a minute. You need to get a day alone with the Lord so that you can control your practice instead of it controlling you. Mary, which one of us is the doctor here? Oh, my. Well, I'm sorry. Mary, I don't mean to be unkind. I've just got some bad news I need to discuss with you. I got your lab reports back on Friday, and you complain so little about pain, and you seem so happy all the time. I never expected to see things so far advanced. Oh, Will, you aren't worried about me now, are you? here I am fixing to rush into the arms of my Jesus and see my dear husband again and oh we'll think of it I'm gonna have me a voice I mean one of those way up in the sky soprano type voices and for the first thousand years I'm gonna sing alleluia Hallelujah, I'm gonna sing it over and over again. Dear William, I'm going home, and here you are afraid to give me my flight schedule. Shame on you, son. Now tell me, how long do I have to wait? About six months. Yes, Mary, I'd say about six months. That's not bad news, Will. That's good news. Mighty good news. Mary, I. I do have to tell you that you're probably going to experience a good bit of. of pain. Yes, I'm afraid so. Oh, Will. I already have a good bit of pain, but it's nothing compared to the pain that my Jesus suffered for me, and it's caused me to trust him even more. I'll be praying for you, Mary. Oh, Will, you're a precious friend. Thank you for making today so special i just can't wait till i can get up there and sing the hallelujah chorus for him remember will jesus said weeping endures for a night but joy comes in the morning so the following week mary arrived for her two appointments as scheduled except that she arrived an hour early, so that she could make sure she had time to tell someone about her favorite subject, Christmas. By the second week, Beverly noticed that Mary was showing up every day, whether she had an appointment or not. She would come with her big black purse stuffed with her New Testament, CDs of the Messiah, an apple and a sandwich, and she would just spend the day so on through Thanksgiving, Mary spent her days in Dr. Will's waiting room, making sure she talked to everyone about Christmas. The Monday after Thanksgiving, Beverly noticed that Mary was not in her usual place, in the middle of the couch on the west wall. She tried all morning to get a hold of her at home, but there was no answer. Finally, 2.30 that afternoon, Dr. Will Phillips' office... I'm sorry. He's with the patient right now. Can I have him return your call? Merry Christmas to you, too. What? You're calling regarding a patient named Merry Christmas. Is she all right? Yes. Yes, of course. I understand. Just a moment. Dr. Phillips, line two, please. Dr. Phillips, line two. I've got it, Beverly. Will? Will, are you there, Mary? We've been trying to get a hold of you all morning. What happened to you? Don't you worry about me, will? I'm at the hospital doing fine. It's just this old body sent me word today that it's it's time to take my Christmas story down here for a while. I didn't want to bother you, so I took a cab, (laughs) but this nice lady behind the desk here says that she can't give me a room without authorization from a certified M.D. You are certified, aren't you, Will? Mary, don't worry about a thing, I'll take care of everything. How are you feeling? Well. I think I'm getting closer to home. Praise the Lord, I'm getting closer to home. Second floor of Memorial Hospital had never experienced anything quite like Merry Christmas. Handel's Messiah played constantly on her little CD player. Nearly every week a new patient was moved into the second bed in Mary's room. And nearly always they left rejoicing having experienced the true meaning of Christmas. When things would get a little slow on the floor, all of the nurses tended to gravitate towards Mary's room. All of them, that is, except one, Phyllis Cross. She was the head nurse on the evening shift. She steered clear of the woman she referred to as that religious nut in Room 824. Phyllis had been head nurse in a military unit for 11 years head nurse in an emergency room for 16 years, and she'd been through three marriages. She never smiled or cried, and the icy look in her eyes seemed to say that she was proud of it. One night in mid-December, Mary took a turn for the worse. An infection set in, and her temperature skyrocketed. Round-the-clock care was ordered, and being three nurses short, Phyllis Cross herself had to help out in room 824. Mary was in a great deal of pain and nearly delirious with fever. It's time for your pills, ma'am. Oh, Phyllis, I'm glad you've come. I've been praying for you. Praying for me? (laughs) You don't even know me. But I feel like I do. All of the other nurses have told me all about you they look up to you they do do they they bother telling you there's no use praying for me god gave up on me a long time ago oh no he hasn't phyllis in fact i've asked him not to take me home until you're in the fold well i hate to break the news to you kid but you're in for one big disappointment what's that music that's Hallelujah, chorus. I'm gonna sing that song when you get saved. That'll be the day. I love you, Phyllis. and God loves you even more. He does, does he? Well, he's never done anything for me. He's ready to do something for you right now, if you'll let him. Something that will change your life forever. I've gotta take care of a patient in another room. I'll send another nurse in in about 20 minutes. Phyllis, I'm praying for you. Stop that nonsense. Try to get some rest. It was almost more than Phyllis could bear. Here was a dying old woman praying for her. She had expected Mary to toss out her Christmas question, but it never came. It was as if Mary knew the time was not right. So, as it drew closer to Christmas, the eighth floor of Memorial Hospital, something miraculous was happening. The sounds of Handel's Messiah drifted up and down the halls. A steady stream of visitors flowed in and out of Mary's room, most of them recalling that day in Dr. Will's waiting room. Four of Phyllis's nurses were completely changed people as a result of being around this unusual woman. On the evening of December 24th, Mary came, or Phyllis came in for her usual shift. All night long, she tried not to think about Mary. But by the end of her shift, she could contain herself no longer. She found herself strangely drawn to room 824. As she walked in, streams of sunlight flooded Mary's room, highlighting the beauty of all the flowers and the plants. But the brightest light was in Mary's eyes. Oh, the pain was still there. But the fragrance of victory made the pain seem almost insignificant. Phyllis? Glad you've come. I've been up all night, praying you'd come. Up all night? That nurse should have given you a sleeping pill. You need your rest. Now don't you fret about me. I'll have plenty of time to rest. Now tell me, what brings you to visit a wrinkled-up little prune like me? I, uh, I wondered why you hadn't asked me about Christmas. Because, dear, I was waiting for you to ask me. And now you have. Phyllis, do you believe in Christmas? I guess not. I mean, not the way you do. I've always taken the kids to the mall to see Santa. I've always given them presents. Oh, Phyllis, you've celebrated Christmas, but have you ever really experienced Christmas? What do you mean, here? Read this. Start here with verse nine. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Now that's talking about the very first Christmas when Jesus was born in a manger. Read on. Made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. And that's talking about his death on the cross. Keep reading crowned with glory and honor. Oh, Phyllis, that's talking about how he won the victory over death and went back to heaven where he's seated at the right hand of his father. Oh, I can't wait till I get to see him, Phyllis. I'm gonna sing the hallelujah chorus for him. Keep reading, child. Read on. This is the best part. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Don't you see, Phyllis? Jesus tasted death for you. He died for you right now. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Can't you hear him, Phyllis? He wants your heart to become his manger. You mean he wants to live inside of me? Oh, yes, Phyllis. That's it exactly. Lord, I've got a young lady here she's heard you knocking at the door of her heart thank you lord for bringing her to me now help her lord go ahead phyllis just talk to him lord i i don't know exactly how to do this never done this before but uh, Lord, I I need you. I've made such a mess of my life. Forgive me for sinning over and over again. Oh, Lord, please save me. Amen. Phyllis, do you know what day it is? It's Christmas is. Merry Christmas, Phyllis. Merry Christmas. For the first time in years, tears were streaming down Phyllis's cheeks after she gently hugged the frail little woman who she now referred to as her spiritual mother. She ran from room 824, joyfully transformed. For the first time in her life, she could truly celebrate Christmas. Phyllis returned for the evening shift that night. The staff could hardly believe their eyes. She nearly skipped off the elevator, carrying two huge poinsettias, and greeted everyone with an exuberant, Merry Christmas! The nurses hardly recognized her. The smile on her face was so big, she headed straight for room 824. Now when she stepped in, she saw that Mary was asleep, so she gently set the poinsettias on the nightstand next to Mary's bed, and she reached down and squeezed Mary's hand. On Mary's lap, as usual, was an open Bible and a beautiful smile on her face As she squeezed Mary's hand, only then she realized that Mary was home. Home for Christmas. She started to speak to Mary's lifeless body, but in that very moment, the Hallelujah Chorus began playing on Mary's little CD player. She looked straight at the sky and called out at the top of her voice, Sing, Mary! Sing, Hallelujah!
1: What an incredibly beautiful, powerful, compelling picture of worship, right? I've seen that three times tonight, and each time it is just as powerful and just as significant. Thank you so much, Katrina. In case you haven't guessed it yet, the focus, really, of this evening is all about worship. Because that's what the Christmas story is about. It is a story of of worship. If you've been with us, you know that we have been journeying through this series this month on Advent. With really, what are these gifts that we get through Jesus in this, that we remember really in this Advent season? And we started with the gift of hope. That the hope we have in God is an expectant hope because He is a God who always does what He promises He will do, He always does what He says we will do. And then the next week, we looked at the reality of salvation that Jesus is the only one who can save us from the brokenness and the sinfulness and really the selfishness where we all start out and save us to the very life that we're looking for, a life of purpose and hope and joy. And then we looked at the reality that one of Jesus' names is Emmanuel, and you've probably heard that name before, and it means God with us. And Christmas is all about this God who wants to be with us. And then just yesterday morning, we looked at the reality of joy, that there is a joy that comes through knowing God through His Son, Jesus, that you can't find anyplace else. It is a joy that transcends circumstances. It is a joy that really is sourced and rooted in knowing and experiencing God in your life. And now we come to this gift of worship. And what a beautiful picture has, that has already been painted of what worship is all about, but I'd like us to return one more time to a portion of the Christmas story that is probably familiar to many of you. It is the story of the three wise men, the three magi, the three kings, going to see Jesus. And I'd like to just look at what this tells us once again about worship. This is out of the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, and this is just a portion of this passage. We looked at it in its entirety yesterday, so we're just going to do just a portion of it today, but it says this once again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. After they had heard the king, as we skip forward here, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it was stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, this tells us so much about what worship is, is all about. And as we were reminded in the, the Advent video, as Gary and, and Deb Crockett shared with us, as we saw illustrated in this beautiful monologue by Katrina, that worship is more than just singing songs or even lighting candles, which we're going to do in just a bit. Those are all expressions of worship. But when we talk about worship, it really is something that we all do. Because it is an orientation, it is a focus of our life. You cannot help but worship. In fact, we all do. The question isn't if we worship, the real question is what do we worship? Or to put it another way, what is the object of our worship? Because because all of us were hardwired, we were created originally to worship God. He is the only one who is worthy of our worship. He is the only one who can give us the joy and the hope and the peace and the intimacy that we're all looking for in all these other things that we tend to turn our worship to. You can take any good thing and elevate, elevate it to a place of worship. You can do that with work, You can do that with money, you can do it with success, you can do it with relationships, you can do it with a spouse, you fill in the blank of any good thing, and all those things have their place, by the way, but they don't have the place of worship in our lives like like God does, and like we've been created to have Him there. But the reality is, if you and I worship anything other than Jesus, we are going to be left unsatisfied and looking and wanting for more. And I believe you, all of you, intuitively get this on some level, or you would not be here tonight. You are here because in some way, shape, or form, you realize, you recognize that of all the good things you can experience and have in this life, none of them fills that place that we all have that only God can fill. As Phyllis found out in the monologue, As Mary Snyder, Merry Christmas, found out early on in her life, as all the people in that monologue, in that story that we heard found out, there is a defining moment where you choose to make Jesus the foundation of your life, where you choose to worship Him and to follow Him. And the good news about what we celebrate tonight is you and I no longer have to settle for those other things that are gonna leave us always wanting and looking for something more. There is a satisfaction, there is a peace, there is a rightness, there is a fulfillment that you will only find in your life when you make Jesus Christ the object of your worship, or to put that another way, when he is the one you worship. Not just with part of your life, but with all of your life. This God doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. And Christmas is the incredible story, the incredible reality, the incredible truth that this God goes to incredible lengths to get near to us. Because we believe, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, that that wasn't just a baby in a manger 2,000 years ago. That was God himself coming to get near to us. And so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna join other Jesus followers who for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have lit candles just like we're about to do to illustrate the truth and the reality of what we've seen and experienced tonight. The reality of the life change that was illustrated in that monologue that Katrina performed so beautifully for us. And so I'm going to invite our candlelighters to come forward, and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to ask you to make this about more than just lighting a candle in your hand. For a number of you, I would assume, you you know the Lord Jesus. You you love Him, and as you light this candle, may it cause you to remember what He truly means to you. What is the joy that He has given you? What has He done? in your life now probably for a number of you you have yet to make that defining moment decision to receive Jesus into your life the way Phyllis Cross did at the end of that monologue and as she observed as she questioned and realized it's a defining moment where Jesus through his Holy Spirit literally comes and lives inside of you and you can go ahead and begin lighting those candles And then there are some of you who, you're still figuring all this out. You have questions, you're not quite sure you're there, you're still grappling with this. Wherever you fall on that continuum or somewhere in between in your journey, as you light this candle, may it mean something. May it mean that you're gonna commit to continue to think critically and to question and to consider what you've heard tonight. If you're there and you're ready to receive Jesus into your life, then it is literally between you and him asking him to come into your life. And saying, you want to worship him now. And for those of us who do know him, why remember what he's done for you. Remember all that he's done to draw near to you. And will you choose to draw, draw near to him? Let's sing together as we remember and celebrate who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do.